I'd like us to turn our Bible to uh, Titus chapter 2, 1 through 4. Titus chapter 2, 1 through 4. I wish that we were at a point where we could talk about children's ministry, because that was just a wonderful thing, and, uh, but we're really going to do the opposite. We're going to talk about old ministry, okay? Uh, so if you would uh, take your Bibles, Titus chapter 2, 1 through 4, says, but as for you, talking to Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being a part of this church. Thank you for the uh, times in which we uh, uh, can uh, just uh, not only preach to them, but come alongside them. The times we've prayed together, the times we've uh, talked through issues together, the times that we have uh, just sought to serve together in these uh, just short few months. And we're are indeed excited about what you may be doing for them in regard to bringing their their next senior pastor and we ask lord that that you will give great wisdom father that that which is uh, uh, taking place will be that which brings glory to you that which will en- encourage this church to be a disciple making church to reach people for your son the lord jesus christ and train them how to uh, reach more people Jesus Christ. And Father, I ask that you would give great wisdom. Uh, We thank you for uh, what you have allowed us to study here in the book of Titus. And uh, Lord, our our desire with this book was to help this congregation have just a uh, kind of pulling back the, the, the veil, if you would, as to what one pastor said to another pastor about what it means to pastor and to let them have an idea of what they should be looking for in, in the, the man that they would bring in to, to lead their church. And so I, I pray that, uh, that you'll use me as your instrument and that I would truly be helpful. And I ask, Lord, that uh, you would be glorified and that your body will be edified. Uh, during this time, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Godly pursuit mature ministry. Years ago, I had a friend who was having a birthday, and in order to uh, honor him, uh, someone had bought a half a dozen books by the same title and distributed them to each of us so that when the bright time came, we would each privately give him this book as a gift for his birthday. And the title of the book is, uh, I don't know what old is, but I'm sure it's older than me. Okay, so he wanted to make sure he got that, uh, got that book. Well, I didn't realize how significant that was until early on in my ministry, back in the 90s, so that goes back a ways. Uh, by the way, I'll give you this little chart here. I was brainstorming on Scott's 40 years of church experience as an adult. But one of those early uh, first 10 years, I was trying to be so sober and, uh, uh, you know, one that's doing a closing invitation, and so I had thought it through, and I thought of this illustration that someone had shared about uh, uh, the rapture, and about the fact that at any time, 
Jesus Christ could come back and rapture us up. And, and someone had shared about uh, uh, something that happened in their youth group. And so I was explaining to the people, and I was trying to be as serious as I could. And, and as I was explaining, I said there was this teenage uh, girl in the, in the youth group, and she was so fearful of the, uh, of the rapture that she would call her youth pastor and check to see if he was there. Because if he knew, if he answered the phone, that, uh, that the rapture hadn't taken place, yes. Uh, so uh, in my delivery of that, I would say her, her youth pastor, and instead of just saying her youth pastor, I said an older man, 35 years old. And I got this response from the people, like they were going to, pitchforks were coming out and all this kind of stuff. And I never realized, wow, that is a really touchy subject, uh, you know, as a 20-something saying those kind of words. So I come into the pulpit today with a little bit of fear and trepidation, but I do so feeling like I'm almost part of the club, okay? AARP has contacted me often. Uh, Marty did, uh, uh, you know, she does my, uh, cuts my hair, and we looked at what was left, and there's more gray than black now. I got hearing aids. Uh, I got grandkids. I got all those type of things. I don't know if I qualify for older yet, I might be the one who says, I don't know what old is, but I think it's older than me, all right? But we're going to talk about this because Titus is brought, is brought into this. I mean, Paul does this. He says to Titus, you know, address, you know, make sure the older men are this way and the older women are that way. And I, I don't know how Titus did that. <laughs> you know, he's kind of, kind of, kind of who, who wants to volunteer for finding out who the older people are, okay? So I'm just going to not identify you, okay? But I'm going to talk about us all in generalities because there are some things uh, that the uh, society says about us. And there are some things that are true of the scriptures that would be helpful in regard to this situation. But as a, what, I'll, I'll refer to this slide later, but since I have it up here, I just wanted to, to give you an idea that there are different times in our life that we go through and the experiences with the pastors that we might have. And you've probably experienced this too. You've probably experienced times when you've had a pastor that was younger than you. You may have experienced times when you had a pastor that was older than you. Or maybe in that rare occasion, you've had a pastor that's right about that same stage of life as you are. If you look at my chart, you can find I had three years of that. <laughs> in, my, in my 40 years of adulthood that I was able to experience that kind of identity. But on one side of the other, I find myself falling. Either I'm a young guy or now I'm the old guy. Uh, as I find myself sitting uh, amongst some pastors at a pastor's fellowship for them to, to make a comment about the older guys and then always look over at me and I'm going, wow, this is really happening, isn't it? So first of all, what I want to start out with is just looking at this uh, concept of older men and older women and uh, look at the issues that are involved with this. This is kind of the introduction to the issues. First of all, uh, the misunderstanding about aging. Okay? Culture has a certain attitude towards aging. Some people adopt it, some people don't. Some people fight against it, but the, most of the times they're considering certain generalities. For the most part, we try to do whatever we can to try to avoid aging. Uh, if you watch all the commercials and all the things that are out there, it's all about trying not to look or feel or act old. Uh, but uh, we'll be looking also at the multiple generations. This is new for us. When I was young, 
it seemed like there was only two generations. There was me and the old people, okay? That's what it seemed like, right? Now, uh, whether you're in the workplace or whether you're uh, in church worshiping, you will have four, four distinct generations. We haven't figured out what the next generation after that is uh, because it keeps on, they're almost trying to break it up into three generations from 35 years on down. But the idea is that in these generation gaps, if you would, there's different things that are impacting that. And third thing is pastor and church demographics and how they've changed. Now, I realize this first point is going to seem more like a seminar or a workshop, and I did that on purpose because, by by the way, unless you didn't know this, uh, uh, my real job is not to be an interim pastor. My real job is to be a church consultant and help churches work through uh, issues. And uh, God has given me a great opportunity to do that. And I'm looking forward to be able to do that a little more on a full-time basis once, uh, once we're done here. Uh, but because of that, I have to know a lot of things about a lot of churches and more than just uh, what I know about you. So what I'm talking about is not just you. I'm talking about what our churches are in general and some of the things that we are up against. Took the time to uh, look on the internet and find out what is being said about older people. Uh, And so there was something that said myths about older people on agingcare.com. If you want to look at that or whatever, I probably wouldn't if I were you. But at any rate, I looked at it just because I wanted to know what are they saying that are generalities or sometimes those things that would be stereotypes of people that would be called older. Uh, and here's, here's some of the things that I have. I just picked out six out of the ten because I figured four weren't relevant at all. But uh, these first three, older people aren't interested in the outside world. They don't care about the Internet. They don't care about all the things. As I say that, there's several of you watching me right now on the Internet and have been doing so since uh, March. And uh, as I think about my mom, she's 94 years old. And uh, she has been doing Facebook for a long time. And not too long ago, she dialed me on a video. And I said, I didn't even know she knew how to do that. And so she's trying to video communicate with me on Facebook at 94 years old. And uh, the interest that's there, she's even trying to buy things on Facebook. Not a good idea. She found that out. Uh, But the... <laughs> take away our Facebook here. Uh, we've already taken away our bicycle, but no, okay, <laughs> ladder. Uh, but uh, uh, but but the idea is that uh, I don't think there's much truth to that because they are very much interested in the outside world, whoever they are. Okay, uh, older people don't want or need close relationships. Uh, kind of you get the stereotype of the person that's opens the door and says, stay off my lawn, kind of idea, that they don't want anybody to bug them, get off my property, I'm going to put up hedges and all this kind of stuff. But uh, realizing that uh, that's one of the myths that we're up against, and as a result, may keep us from wanting to reach into the lives of folks uh, because we might stereotype them in that fashion, but yet they, they so desire fellowship they so desire encouragement and that's why this time of COVID has been so difficult as people are not able to spend the time together as they have in the past Uh, number three older people uh, contribute little to society which uh, I I believe sometimes people believe that Uh, even even those who would consider themselves older they say I don't have much to offer Uh, not only to society but maybe even to the church 
and we forget the great amount of contribution that is there. And uh, sometimes the, the most faithful givers are, are those who would fall into what we call that category. Great counsel comes from individuals that have had, had time and, and, and learning and life. Uh, the amount of care. Uh, the Bible says that uh, we are able to comfort others with the comfort and the grace that we've received from God. And when we've been around the block a few times, we've experienced some difficulties and some hardships, God not only softens our heart in regard to that, but gives us a great sensitivity to those who are going through a time of trial. And then uh, uh, just the knowledge that is available. Knowledge that you just can't find on Google, you know? Uh, knowledge that can help gives depth into our relationships. Number four uh, is that as age, you get set mo more set in your ways. Don't want to change. You know, I've thought about that. God called Abraham at age 75. Probably should have started when he was 30 because at 75, you don't want to change, right? But he's going to change his whole life and go out and do something different uh, and to uh, start a whole nation with him. Moses, at age 80, okay, he gets him to uh, spend his next 40 years leading people. Uh, I find that um, age is not a determiner of whether people want to change and adapt. If you consider, when I think of my mom, who's 94 years old, the types of things that she's had to adapt to over the years. What was going on back in the 1920s, you know? What was life like? What kind of things that they had to adapt to in regard to that? Uh, number five, mental and physical deterioration are inevitable in old age. Older people can't make good decisions about important issues. Uh, someone uh, has said it this way. Experience is the wisdom you gain just after you need it. Okay? And the more gray hairs you have, the more of that you have, okay? Uh, so, uh, and, and another thing to think about, I just, this seems trivial, but Tolkien um, wrote Lord of the Rings at 62, okay? Uh, Noah Webster, Dictionary, 66, and then this guy, I have no idea who Harry Bernstein is, but because he's 96, he made my slide, okay? He wrote his first book at age 96, and uh, it was about uh, things that took place in his youth uh, during a very, very t terrible time. And it talks about all these various things. And I have no idea what the book's about, but I just put it on the slide. But the idea is that he waited until he was almost 100 years old and he wrote a book. Uh, physical uh, John Glenn, you know him, 77 years out in space. And then, of course, uh, everyone knows Paul Spangler. Uh, he <laughs> Nobody knows. Somebody knows. But he ran, his, he ran his 14th marathon at age 92. You know how many I've run? Okay, we don't want to talk about the number I've run, okay? Uh, there is very little chance I'm going to get 14 in before I get to 92. Let me just say it that way. But just the reali reality that it's not about chronology. It's about so many other things but in that chronology there are some things that we ought to be be concerned about i want to look at the uh, generation gaps here's a slide that i picked off the uh, one of the things that i've uh, been studying in regard to the generations and why do i study that as a consultant one of the things that has really been impacting churches is the diversification of age groups and in some case the lack of it 
Many times I sit down with churches and I've got their, their uh, leadership there and they say our average age of our church is 73. And, uh, and you realize that's not much diversification. That's not much change. That's not much uh, hope for down the road. And, and so you have, uh, it becomes a situation of how do we then work with these changes in the generations. Uh, they also talk about the cuspers. I don't know if you consider yourself a cusper. I'm supposed to be a baby boomer, but I think I have some of the aspects of the traditionalists, if you would. Or also, I find myself somewhat Gen X-y because of the way I was raised. Uh, as, a, as a single parent, latchkey kind of a thing, I have a lot of those uh, perspectives as well. So I, I, get, I get the, you know, the, the bad characteristics of all three generations. That's how I put it. You know, but, uh, but the idea is uh, recognizing that these generations not only have the bad things that are referred to, but also the good things that make them up. And in a sense, those are not uh, designed to be stereotypes, but generalizations so that we can help us learn how to love other people. Stereotypes are designed to help us protect ourselves from other people. You know, we have, we have a stereotype, okay, that person's going to be this way and that way so I can know how to work around them. But if it's a generalization, my goal is to try to, to look at someone, what have they been through? What are some things that are typical of someone with what they've had and how can I love them in that situation? It's a whole different perspective and it's, it's incredibly important for churches to understand that people in a different generation sometimes actually think differently, communicate differently. You know, see certain things differently. But that doesn't mean that they're wrong. It just means that they're different. And what does God want us to do with those who are different? To love them. Uh, an author who has really gone to great lengths on this is a man by the name of Hayden Shaw called Sticking Points. Uh, how to get four generations working together in 12 places they come apart. Without going into details, here's some of the things that he said, okay? He just talked about here's the issues that are different between these four different generations. It's not just older people against younger people. You've got four different perspectives that are wrapped up in what happens in the workplace and what happens in our churches. Concepts of work ethic, decision-making, dress code, meetings, loyalty, fun at work, training, policies, respect, knowledge, transfer, communication, and feedback. They all tend to be, in generalities, different in the different generations. And how much we care about that will determine how much we really want to care for other people and recognize they're just not going to think like we think all the time. And so what that does for me, is not to make assumptions, not to say, well, because so-and-so is in such and such age group that I have to assume certain things, but what it does, it helps me be curious and desire to understand when something looks like something I don't quite understand, instead of just making a stereotype or, or coming to a conclusion, assumption, to ask questions and come alongside and seek to understand and not be fearful of what I might discover when I have that discussion with the person. Hayden goes on to talk about the experiences that form each of the different uh, generations as well as the, he calls the ghost stories. Those things that were so significant in that, their life that have left a little bit of an imprint on them because of their experiences as well as their culture, what they tend to contribute, those type of things. Another item I wanted to touch on just briefly is the changing of the... Um, 
don't want to call it a market, <laughs> but it is kind of that way. Those that are in real estate, they talk about the, the, the market and how it's going, how it changes. Uh, churches are regularly looking for pastors, uh, some more often than they should, uh, you know, in the situations. And uh, as a result, a lot of things take place. But one thing that is a demographic that helps us understand uh, what is going on, you may not be able to see this as well, but I'll, I'll try to point out is that back in, uh, whoops, that's not the, that's not the laser thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I need someone young to show me how to operate this thing. Okay. So the, the one that says 6%, that's the 65 and older. Okay. And so this is done by Barna, who does a lot of stuff. So the, the, the 60%, the 6% is those people who are 65 and older. And, and that, um, would, would, would show something different over 25 years because when they did the survey again, it grew to 17%, okay, of the pastors in the workforce based upon what their survey was and, and realizing that they're just old, getting older. But you know what happens after that? They just start aging out and we're going to have a pastoral shortage uh, those in, that I work with and those that I minister with uh, in church consulting and such are very conscious of that. And pastors that I talk to that are in the know are saying we are getting into that situation of a pastoral uh, shortage because it just keeps on grow, growing up so that in, uh, you know, by this stage of, of our experiences, there's more people in the 65 and older that, in, that are pastoring than those in the 40 years and younger. And so you look at the future of churches, and there has to be some concern as to how we're going to approach it. This is the, the, uh, this is the portion that I was thinking of in regard to the 35%. When it, you look at those who are 41 to 55, uh, or you might call that maybe the, the, the sweet spot, if you would, of, of where, where someone might be, uh, that has decreased as well. And uh, just a little comment on that. Uh, I've been talking with some of my uh, colleagues as to why is it that there's not as many pastors in that age group in our fellowship. And not to point fingers or anything, but those of you who are familiar with the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches in which this church uh, affiliates as well as several of the churches that I minister to, uh, went through some pretty rocky times back a few years ago. And a lot of uh, young men who, uh, who had trained for the ministry really got disillusioned as to where we were going as a, as a fellowship and decided to, to jump ship, if you would, uh, because they weren't excited about the direction that was going, as, as well as realizing that during that same time, many good evangelical groups are starting to rise up and as a result start filling a void in regard to the needs of, of these pastors. And I even find that sometimes in our churches we're, we're actually losing people in that age group because of different things that they're going through in, in their lives and what their, their, uh, what, what their situations are. But anyway, that's, that's all the, the, the things that I wanted to emphasize there. And I go back to this slide uh, because we can get tempted of wanting to look for a pastor that is like us. Maybe age group, maybe the number of kids, kids, stage life, uh, personality, whatever it might be. And that's, that's okay. You can desire that. But I can just show you from my experience that none of that has really come to play for me much at all and although I'm a very good outlier in a lot of different areas of life I just wanted to use this to to kind of give you an idea of what what God has done in us like first 10 years uh the pastors that that I had had kids my age so I'm looking at people that are more like my dad you know if I 
knew my dad. I'd be more like my dad's age type of thing, wherein I had 14 years where I solo pastored, where the deacons were all older than me, and their kids were my age as well, you know. So, uh, so that kind of gives you an idea of the first 24 years. And then I had three years where I had a pastor who was slightly older. I was the associate pastor there, and he had kids the same age as some of our kids. And then the last 13 years, I spent working as an associate with a pastor who was younger than me, and his kids were about the same as my age as my grandkids. So again, it gives you an idea of, of some of that diversity that is there and what my opportunity was to work alongside a pastor that was younger than me and uh, the values of that. So let's look at the, uh, what Titus was to do. He was to invest in them. He says, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Uh, you have here uh, the words to speak, teach, tell, preach. That's all that same word, but it's mostly used as speak or tell uh, in, when it's translated. What is fitting, what stands out, what's healthy uh, or sound, that's the word hygiene, basically, where we get that word from, uh, doctrine. So that's what Titus was to do, and he, and he tells them to... Uh, that there are certain perspectives of, of their relationship that they should have, certain characteristics of them. But I want to just touch real quickly, and this will go uh, relatively quickly, but I wanted to highlight some things that as we seek to minister to those that, that might be older, uh, Timothy is encouraged by Paul to treat those who are older men as fathers, to have that respect for them. Uh, deference is found in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, that I'm more concerned about the interests of others than of myself, and how do I understand what those interests might be? Uh, Paul also encourages Timothy this way, let no one despise your youth, but let each believe, each set, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. That there's that, uh, that importance of, of having a confident example uh, and then also an obligation. I just say at this intentionality that uh, we are looking over the souls of people regardless of what their ages are. We have that responsibility and we will give, con we will give an account for that as we stand before God. Uh, also, the body of Christ has various gifts and those are not age deferred either. Uh, stewardship of talents, that we want to encourage those not to get to a place in their life where they think that it's a good time to start burying their talents, find a hole and put it in, because there's that importance to continue to run the race, uh, to, to, to emphasize that, uh, that we, we will stand before the Bema seat. Uh, and uh, then uh, just, uh, just realizing that you know, Paul talks about a race and running well and running well to the end and not thinking that we have a place where we just pass off a baton and we're done. Here's what he uh, says in the next few verses. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behaviors, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women. Age does not guarantee, but should expect. Look at those things that are up there. I just kind of put them on there. The sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, sound in love, sound in steadfastness. Now, I, I'll tell you this. You notice these things more so when they're not there. When I was a young person and I came up from downstairs in the church 
only to see what had happened is a ruckus in front of the church uh, where two people that I had looked up to as pillars of the church were in a, uh, an argument that led to one of the families leaving never to come back to the church again. And as a young person, I looked at it and I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand why is this. People that I look up to that should have the characteristics of peace and working through problems and such, and we're not able to. And, and, I, and I look at this from the perspective of not to be judgmental of that particular case, but to say what we say and do has a great impact. And that's why we need to be sober-minded. That means temperate. That means not under the influence or not extravagant on things. Dignified. Dignified is being respectful. It's not just looking a certain way. It's not just talking a certain way. It's doing things that people are willing to honor and respect and look up to. And then he says the word self-control. That's a, controlling our emotions. Uh, as we age, we should do better at controlling our anger. We should know how to turn to God in those times when things are difficult. Uh, the sound in faith. There should not be anyone who has more faith than those of us who have been around and serving God and trusting God for a long time. We should not be crippled by fear of what's going on in this world. We should be the ones encouraging the younger people. It's going to be good. God's going to take care of it. He has done this, 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 and this. And that is why the people of Israel were constantly encouraging the older people to tell the younger people, this is what God did for us. And that's what our role is, is to continue to keep those things going sound in faith, sound in love. If anyone should be able to defer to anyone else, it's someone who's mature in the faith. That we ought to have a better ability of loving like Jesus and steadfastness. That's to keep going, just continuing it on. He has another list for the older women. Uh, reverent, not slanders, not slaves to wine, teaching what is good. And I'm not going to take the time to just kind of make these gender uh, specific, but to just remind us that there is great value in passing these things down and to, to show the value. of. And I want to just park on this one thing here at the end of, of that uh, bullet point, teaching what is good. That the words that come from our mouths are not only good as in doctrine, but good as in providing edification, encouragement, hope, uh, words that lift up. Uh, we are just amazed at how easy it is we can get discouraged and what a blessing it is to hear, regardless of the age of the person, those words of encouragement and of strength and uh, the, and how that we can set that pattern and set that uh, example of sharing those words that are encouraging and helpful to other people. Uh, Paul said it this way. Here's his testimony of things. I press on toward. He says, I have not arrived. That's what he's talking about. I have not arrived. There's things that I have had to get rid of. There's things I've had to forget. But I have not arrived. But I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, okay? That, that we are pressing forward. It's not that we've done our time. It's not that we can uh, just uh, uh, been there, done that, got the T-shirt kind of attitude, but that we are pressing forward, conto continuing recognizing that the prize is yet to be obtained, that there's not a time limit on when we are setting up our rewards for eternity. 
It doesn't just cut off when you're at a certain age. That God wants us to continue to serve with all that we have for as long as we can for his glory. The last thing is the interest, and I'm going to set up for next week, Lord willing, if we're able to be here and able to preach, uh, we're going to talk about why is it so important? Why does Paul start with the older people? Why is it important for bringing them along in regard to what it is, this pursuit of godliness? Why do we need to emphasize working with the older people? Is because they're going to be the ones to help pass that on to the younger people, show them how it's done, teach them how to live a godly life. It says of the older women that they might be training the younger women. And in verse 5, we'll look at this in more detail next week, Lord willing, that the word of God not be defiled, not blasphemed, not uh, uh, people be able to say, see, this Christianity doesn't work. But we see it work because it's going from one generation to the next generation. And as it goes, it gets stronger, not weaker. Father, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together. Oh, it's such a a difficult thing to sometimes convey uh, what, what deep truths that you have for us. Father, I know you love us. I know that you want us to be faithful. I know that you honor and you have a great respect for those who have put time into serving you, that have done so not for years, but for decades. And God, I pray that we might not fall into some of the myths, that we might not uh, get discouraged uh, by uh, you know, certain examples or lack thereof, but that we will stand strong and that we will pursue godliness. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.